do me a favor and point to yourself and say, self, the resurrection matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now do it to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, the resurrection matters. Yeah, it does. It really does. It, it matters, and a lot of us don't know that it matters. Go with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I trust that you have your Bible this morning. I want to read uh, three verses of Scripture, and then I just have three points we're going to put on the screen that we want to walk through so you can hear what God is saying. I'm going to read verses 8 through, I mean 3 to 8, and then I'm going to talk briefly about verses 1 all the way through 11, but I want God to move and have his way there so that the Holy Spirit can move. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3, and I'm going to read verses 3 to 8, and then we're going to pray for you there. Say amen. 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 It reads such, it says, for I received what I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and after that he appeared to more than five hundreds of the brothers at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7 says then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and I'm going to ask you all up front to bear with me because verse 8 has been heavy on my heart. And last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. Let me just ask a quick question. I hope he has appeared to you by now. <laughs> Amen. I, I just hope, I just hope that, that you've seen him. And in the event that you haven't seen him, I'm hoping you at least felt him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm hoping you at least have heard from him by now because the grave simply could not keep him in. Let us pray. And then we're going to talk this morning. Father, we thank you for you. You are a wonderful, you are a merciful, you are a gracious, you are a mighty God. So Holy Spirit, as we just share from the pages of scripture this morning, I am praying that you would speak through me, Lord. Felix moves out of the way, as I oftentimes say. It's not about me, but it's about what you want said and what you want done. So we open our hearts to you, God. We want to hear from you. We want to hear clearly. My prayer is that if a person made a free choice, a volitional choice, a, a choice of their own will to come and worship with us this morning, God, that they will experience the resurrection that they would have experienced you in some shape, form, or fashion, and they won't leave here the same way they came. So open our hearts, open my hearts, open all of our hearts, God, to hear and to receive and to be in tune with what you're doing. So we bless you, we worship you, and adore you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. My mic went away, which is not cool. Amen. Um, so listen, if we can put the big idea on the screen, I want to kind of talk through this real quick, and I want you all to see this. So um, here's what that thing simply says. It says, the heart of the gospel is the truth that Christ was raised from the dead. Just repeat after me. Say, the heart of the gospel. Come on, there's more people in here than that. Say it like you mean it. Say, the heart of the gospel is the truth that Christ was raised on the third day. One more time. The heart of the gospel is the truth that Christ was raised on the third day. 
This is why I'm hoping you leave here with the thought in your mind that the resurrection does indeed matter. Let me just, let me just begin here, then we're going to walk through some things. A lot of us, we've heard a lot about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're like me, for many, many years doing your journey, your pilgrimage with Christ, we fooled ourselves into thinking that was for the disciples back then. That was for those 12 individuals that followed Christ back then. It was good for mother back then. It was good for grandmother back then. It was good for the church back then. And a lot of us don't understand the relevance and or the importance of the resurrection as it relates to us today. And, and so what I'm learning more and more and what I'm hoping to share with you this morning, at least I want to point out the importance of the truth of the resurrection because I am discovering more and more and more that if Christ had not raised from the dead, all of this is in vain. Come on, talk to me. I mean, the life I'm living is in vain. The, the fact that I'm endeavoring to be the person that God has called me to be, that's in vain. The fact that you're endeavoring to be the person that God has called you to be, that's all in vain. And so it's very, very important that you and I understand this morning, it's because of what happened on that third day that we have reasons to celebrate and we have reason to be all that God would have us to be this morning. Amen? I, I need you to hear my heart. The resurrection, the resurrection really, really matters. And so because the resurrection matters, if we can put the first thing on the screen, I want to walk you to this, is that we must understand that the resurrection matters because it reminds us of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the second thing. Back up to the first thing. You guys are way ahead of me. It matters. The, the next one, I guess these screens are off. But it matters because the resurrection reminds me of the gospel. Come on, say it reminds me of the gospel. Back up to verse 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let me talk through this with you. I just want you all to see some things. Listen to what verse 1 says. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Here's what he says to them. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, and then he says a couple of things, which you received on which you have taken your stand. And verse 2 says, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Look at verse 1 again. Now, brothers and sisters or brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. Now, now, if you're like me, every now and then, church becomes rote and church becomes routine, and it's easy to forget what this is all about. Come on, say amen. I mean, it's, it's easy to get caught up in getting up every Sunday morning and getting dressed every Sunday morning and coming to church. And sometimes we forget the importance of what this is all about. But at Easter Sunday morning, Paul opens up by saying to the church at Corinth, hey, believers, I want to remind you of the gospel, okay? And then he says, it's this gospel that I preach to you. Now, in case you don't know, the gospel is simply the good news. Oh, come on, y'all. 
the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the good news that God left his home in glory and traveled the cosmic constellations like the old preachers used to say for 40 and two generations just to come and save a wretch like me. So he says, I want to remind you of the gospel. And notice what he says, which um, the gospel which I preach to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. In other words, who I am today and who you are today is simply a result of what transpired in the gospel. Okay, now, now don't make the mistake of fooling yourselves or we don't need to make the mistake of fooling ourselves into thinking we are who we are by ourselves, independent of God. Were it not for the gospel, none of us would have been here today. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Were it not for the good news of the finished work on Calvary, none of us would be here today. So here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth. The reason you're able to take your stand, the reason you're able to survive in society, the reason you're able to, to be firm and to be secure in who you are is simply because of the gospel. Are you with me? And, and look at what he says. He says, you're able to take your stand on the gospel. And verse 2, he says, by this gospel, you are being saved. And I'm adding the word being to bring you closer to the proper translation. Okay? It's, it's written in the present tense. And let me tell you what that means. It means, it means continuing action. Very, very, very important. Continuing action, action that occurs now, but it continues to go on, and it continues to go on, and it continues to go on. Now, let me tell you the importance of that. Let me tell you the importance of that. What, what the importance of the present tense says is that your salvation, even though it's a once and for all act, there's some work that's mandated on my part to continue to grow in Christ. For my salvation to completely take hold and to take root and to be firm. So notice what he says in the verse. He says, by this gospel, you are being saved if you hold firmly to what? Come on, say the word. To what? To the word which I preach. Now, I don't want to be hard on anybody, but the reason a lot of us have been saved 40 years ago and we're still living as if our salvation took years 40 years ago and we haven't grown much in Christ is because we're not hanging on to the word of God. God's word is designed to produce growth. So what that means is the person you see in front of you today is not going to be the same person you see tomorrow. Come on, nor is it going to be the same person that you see the day after tomorrow. And I think that's true of mo the majority of us that are in here because who we are today is not who we were yesterday. Oh, come on, do I have any witnesses in here? That you want to thank God for the gospel because as we go into the word of God and as the word of God is preached and as it takes root in our lives, we see ourselves growing and we see our lives changing and we see ourselves maturing. So here's what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth. When he first preached the word to them, yes, they heard, yes, they got saved, but they might not have truly understood what the word meant. 
So he says, the preaching of the gospel was the beginning of your salvation. That's when you entered relationship with Christ. But the more you stay in the word, the more you grow and the more you develop and the more you mature. And, and, but, but the key is you've got to hold firmly to the truth of what is preached in the word of God. Come on, repeat after me. Come on, say hold on. Say it again. Say hold on. He says in verse 2, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you believe in vain. So here's what the resurrection does for me. Whenever we come around annually to this time again, I just want to say thank you because it reminds me of my beginning point. It reminds me of that connection. It puts me close to the Calvary. When I look at the old rugged cross, I can't help but seeing my sins taken away and my sins forgiven. And it takes me back to a place of connection with God. The resurrection, number one, reminds me of the gospel. Secondly, the resurrection. Here's, here, here's how I want to say that as I kind of put that on the scene. The resurrection matters, listen to me carefully, because even today it creates abnormally born people. <laughs> Y'all got to bear with me. Arizona lost, so they're not in a NCAA tournament, so we're going to be here for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, and Kentucky lost yesterday, so we're going to be here even longer. Amen. No reason to watch the games no more. <laughs> the resurrection matters. This is important because it creates abnormally born people even today. Bear with me. Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse with me. Look at verse 3. Paul says, here's the content now of the gospel. I received, for what I received, I pass on to you. And notice how he said, of first importance. Come on, say first importance. Say it again. Say first importance. And watch the first thing he says. That Christ did what? Died what? Christ died for our sins based on what? Scriptures. Okay, notice carefully. Number one, he said the gospel contains within its confines and its contents the truth that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Now, I wish you were here on Friday night because you'd heard Gordon talk about that indicative mood, which is the mood of assertion or reality. And let me tell you what that says. It's, not, it's saying that it's important for you to know that Christ didn't fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you got you it. It's not, it's, not, it's not the fact that he's God and he couldn't die. The whole concept of the gospel is the incarnation of Christ, which means that God literally took on the form of flesh while maintaining his deity to pay the price on that cruel cross for you and for me. Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Remission of sins. So you need to know that he was dead. He died. And the reason he died is because a lamb had to be killed sacrificially so you and I can have access to God. He actually died. Are you hearing me this morning? He died, okay? 
And then look at, look at not only was he dead, but, but notice what the text says. Uh, that he was what? Buried. Okay? Um, and, and I like the, the, the word buried because it's, it's in the passive voice, meaning that he didn't bury himself. Somebody had to bury him. Because had he buried himself, you'd once again say he's God and he was asleep and he just did all that he did. But he was literally buried. He died and he was buried. Come on, say he was buried. This is important. And, and don't miss the third thing that happened to him. Look at the third part of the gospel. It says here, and that he was what? Raised when? On the third day, how? According to the scripture. Now, grammatically, that's important because raise is, is what I'm going to call a perfect passive. Now, let me tell you what that means. is that he got up, okay, and it happened in the past, and the perfect tense says ongoing action. Now, let me, let me tell you why that's important. Because he's not going to die. Yeah, 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 come on, come on. I, I, it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense. It's going to make sense in a while. You see, you will read in scriptures about people who died, and, and yet and still they're not alive today because the perfect wasn't applied to their resurrection. God might have raised them up, but then they still died as age, come on, as age stepped in. And as they lived life and as they continue their journey on the earth realm, they eventually died again. But the good news in this is that the grave couldn't keep him in. Nor could the grave take him. I wish I had somebody in here. Nor could the grave take him back. Are you with me? Now, now that's good news, guys. That's good news because, and, and I want to get, but let, let, me, let me get ahead of myself real quick, okay? And then notice this, because here's the importance of the resurrection. It says here um, in verse 5, and look at the proof. And that he appeared to who? Peter. And then to who? The twelve. And after that, he appeared to who? More than five hundreds of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. That's at the time of the text. Though some have fallen asleep. And verse 7 says, then he appeared to who? James. And then to all the what? Now, now, the reason I like the proof in the text, and, and we don't have time to really, really deal with the proof of the resurrection, but at least we have in the Word of God a document that has proof, not a verbal statement that Jesus got up, but that he was literally seen by people that were alive on the face of the earth. Now, the reason that statement strikes me and the reason I like it is because Paul is not only telling the church of Corinth that Jesus was raised, but he's saying folk actually saw him in his resurrection. So it's a statement of fact. It's a statement of truth. It's a reality of something really happened. And, and what I like about that, because we as Christians today are the only people on the face of the earth that can claim that we serve And let me add, and that we can experience him. That's the important phrase. The Muslim cannot say that their Savior died and rose from the dead, nor can they say they experience him. 
Oh, come on. The Buddhists can't say that their Savior died and rose from the grave, nor can they say that they experienced him. Come on. The Hindu can't say that their Savior died and rose from the grave, nor can they say that they experienced him. But listen, I can stand before you today and say that I serve a risen Savior. Are you with me? That's in the world today. And then listen, 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 listen. Y'all sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Uh, oh, you can stand in a little while, but I need y'all to hear this. Let, let me read that again. Let me read that again. Here's what Paul says in verse 5. He appeared to Peter, which was cool, because that's one of his boys. Then he appeared to uh, the 12, which were cool, because those were his followers. And then verse 6 says, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of them have died and some are still living. And he says, that's cool because they hung around him, okay? And then he says, then he appeared to James, which were his brother. You would expect him to go and say, hey, mom, all is well. You'd expect him to go say to his brothers, hey, I'm here with you. And then he says, and then to all the apostles. But the striking thing that got me is verse 8. Lest I tell you what happened to somebody else. Let me give you my testimony, Paul says. Last of all, he appeared. That's why I wanted to ask the question as we talk about the resurrection matters. Have you seen him yet? Because it's one thing to tell me that he got up, but you have not yet experienced him. It's another thing to say he rose from the, gra the grave, and I'm telling you from personal experience that I had an encounter with him. Those are whole, come on, y'all. Those are two different dynamics. Lest you miss what's happening here, if I were to connect what's happening, I'm going to deal with verse 8 in a little while. Paul says in verse 1 and 2, let me remind you of the gospel. And I said to you, the resurrection matters because it reminds me of the gospel. Are you with me? Then secondly, I said to you that the resurrection matters because it creates abnormally birthed people. And so here's the thing. In the second thing, he says, the resurrection contains within its confines the fact of a death, the fact of a burial, and then thirdly, of a resurrection. Now, now, in case you're missing what I'm saying, let me help you with this. Anybody in here know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? Come on, do I have any witnesses in here? Now, now listen, the reason I'm asking that, because the only way for you to know Christ as personal Lord and Savior is a death had to occur in your life. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And the reason I say a death had to occur because the old you is not alive today. Come on, are you with me? Who you were is not who you are right now. And the fact that you died in the spiritual realm, a burial take place where God dealt with, or maybe for some of us he's still dealing with. Here's the importance of the third thing. Your presence today, if you have given your life to me, to Christ, is indicative of the truth that the God who killed you and buried you is able to raise you up. The God who killed you and buried you 
is able to raise you up. Look, look, look at verse 8 now, and let me wrestle with this for a little while. This makes sense. Verse 8 says, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally what? Come on, y'all just say abnormally born. Say it again. Say abnormally born. Here's the heart of my message, and bear with me. Let me read some cranial data for you. Let me read this. Ectromati is the Greek word, right? From the root, ektroma. Don't get bored. Listen. It means an untimely birth or born at the wrong time. It means a birth that violates the normal period of gestation in other words, something that happens by way of miscarriage or a mother who miscarriages because of some violence that's done to her. An untimely birth. It wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. There's more cranial stuff. It's not a common word in literature. Um, you know, it comes from this word that means to cause a miscarriage. And it means to cast fruit from the body. And the verb is naturally more common in the work of Greek physicians. So you get a glimpse of this um, when an individual, let's say a mom was pregnant and she's in a car accident and some blow or some trauma happens to her. Then the doctors will say things like that. We need to take the baby now. Ectroma. Untimely birth. She might have a miscarriage, okay? So here's this. Paul is the one who, from a spiritual point of view, was not born at the right time. Let me, let me, let me help y'all with this, okay? Paul was not one of the 12. Y'all know this quite well. The prerequisite or the requirement to be an apostle was that you had to have walked with Christ. Come on, talk to me. You had to have seen the risen Savior. You had to have with him. Matter of fact, when they chose Judas's replacement, the requirement was choose one from amongst us who has been with us from the beginning. Okay? Here's what Paul says. I don't meet those qualifications. But yet and still I'm born into the family. But he uses this Greek word, ekthroma. In other words, it's an abnormal birth. It's an untimely. Let, let me help you out with some background information. If you were to go to the book of Acts, you would find, particularly in chapter 9, you would hear this. Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he was going down the road to Damascus persecuting the church. Come on. Y'all know this. He, anybody who named the name of Christ, Paul was the one that would get letters from the Roman government, and he would go and he would persecute the church because they named the name of God, and they were defecting from Judaism to Christianity. So here's what happened. Paul is going about doing his normal business and God caused a miscarriage to happen <laughs> God 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 hit the mother
mother that was carrying the child, and out of that woman, he, watch this, he pulled Paul out of the world that he was in and placed him into another world, and he delivered him before, I wish I had somebody in here, and he put him on a different path. So Paul says the resurrection causes abnormal birth. Maybe you don't understand this, but somebody in here was on their way on a drug deal. And you were going down that drug deal, and all of a sudden God hit and pulled you out of that thing and placed you in a different world. That's an abnormal birth. Y'all not walking with me. Somebody was going through a bad marriage and you couldn't see light and all of a sudden God hit that thing and pulled you out and placed you in a different place unbeknownst to you. Abnormal birth. Let me excuse the grammar. You ain't supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be saved. Because there's nothing good in you. There's nothing good in me. Wretch undone. But because of the resurrection, because Jesus got up from the grave, he took wretches like me and he took wretches like you and now he causes abnormal birth. He says, time out for you doing what you're doing. I need you. And he snatches you. He snatches you from the grips of sin and transfers you into a different world. And he says, Enthropa, abnormal birth. Because had you allowed your nine-month process, you'd end up in hell. Had I let you go through the full gestation, you might have been dead from that overdose. Had I let you go through the full gestation, that bankruptcy would have killed you. And that, that domestic violence you experienced in that marriage would have took you out. But I had to snatch you out and, I was, and give you an abnormal birth. And the reason I'm here today is because God snatched me out. And, and the reason you're here today is because God snatched you out. Come on. And the reason I'm comfortable in saying that is because you weren't here when he walked the earth. Come on. You weren't here. You weren't here when he had those 12s. Here we are over 2,000 years later. And the resurrection matters because God is still going around snatching people out of their stuff and bringing them into our relationship with him. And that only happens because in the grave he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took the sting out of death. He robbed the grave of his victory. And he emerged with all power in his hands. And because he has power, the enemy has no stronghold over us. Abnormal birth, abnormal birth, abnormal birth. He, he, he interrupts the gestation period. Lord, I thank you for the interruption. <laughs> Come on, is it only me? Or do I have two or three folk in here 
that can thank him for the interruption. Come on, come on, come on. Two people that's not too prideful. And, and, and yeah, come on, that's not too prideful to say to him, the last time I stuck the needle in my hand, the doctor said I'm not supposed to be here, but God interrupted. Somebody in here that cancer said, your life is done, but God interrupted. Come on, I wish I had somebody in here, somebody who was on their way to the grave, but God interrupted. And the only reason he can do that is because of the resurrection. So the resurrection mattered. Are you with me? Because here's what happened. He interrupted his own death. That's the kind of power he has. That's why the scripture says, here's why the scripture says before he died. Listen, I'm going to play a little game with you guys, okay? Nobody can kill me unless I lay my life down. So here are the rules. I'm going to give you three days to do whatsoever you've got to do. Excuse the grammar. So on that cross, Father, into thy hand, I commend my spirit. So God, here's what we can do. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give them the body for three days. And so he goes in the grave. Day one. Y'all ain't done yet? Day two. Y'all ain't done yet? Day three. Y'all ain't done yet? All right, God, I guess they don't have power like I thought they did. And so he reinfuses himself and he interrupts his own death. I wish I had somebody. Because you know. In death, metamorphosis steps in, and then decay starts to happen, and then the body starts to rot. So here's what he does. He interrupts the process. I wish I had somebody. And he emerges with all power in his hand. So Paul says, because of the resurrection, God is in the interruption business. Nothing you're going through that God cannot interrupt. No problem you have that God cannot interrupt. No difficulty you're going through that God cannot interrupt. So the resurrection matters because it reminds me of how he interrupted my life. Are you with me? Any interrupted believers in here, come on, talk to me. That because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, I'm trying to get you to see the resurrection matters. And look at the last thing, look at the last thing as you put the third one. Because of the interruption, because the resurrection matters, it compels me to preach the gospel to somebody else who might be where I was. I'm going to end with this. Look at the text. Look at the text. Go to verse, go with me to verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not deserve, even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That was the religious version 
Let me read you all the Aurora version. <laughs> I, I, I am the last one up in here. that deserve, deserve to be called an apostle because I've got a pass. Verse 10, but by the what? Grace of God, I am. Yeah. And his grace to me is not without effect. And he says, now I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. That's an important verse, because God didn't save you just for the mere pleasure of being called your Savior. He interrupted your path so you can interrupt others' path. <laughs> Are you with me? Let, me? let me make it simple. He brought you out of that stuff that, well, let me talk about myself. He brought me out of that stuff I was in so I can stand in front of you on Easter Sunday morning and said he can bring you out. Are you with me? So he calls it grace, unmerited favor. I don't deserve it because by all shaped by all, everything. I was on my way to persecute the church. I was on my way to file for the divorce. I was on my way to do this. I was on my way down Colfax. I was on my way, and if I had my way, I was going to make it where I was on my way to. But grace. But grace. Come on, do I have any grace folk in here? But grace. Come on, y'all. But grace. But grace. And the resurrection matters because the resurrection gives me a new start. The resurrection matters because the resurrection gives me a new life. The resurrection matters because the resurrection makes me a new person. Who I am today is not who I was yesterday. Come on. The resurrection matters because it gives me a new direction, a new reason for living, and a new reason to press on. And the resurrection matters because it gives me a hope that one day Christ is going to return to take me to be with him. So I am debtor to Christ, and I have an obligation to preach the gospel the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection to whoever will listen because the resurrection matters. And God, secondly, I said to you, is in the process of creating abnormally born people. Ekthroma. He wants to interrupt your gestation process to put you on a better path. Are you with me? And I think I'm comfortable in saying that every person in here, under the sound of my voice, you're here because God interrupted you. You might be saying, how, preacher? Well, those that haven't been interrupted yet are not here. 
And had you not been interrupted, you would not have got up this morning clothed, like Grandma would say, and in your right mind with the activities of your limb, putting your clothes on to go and worship God. The only reason you're here today is because of the gospel and God has interrupted you. Now, here's how this works. Verse 1, verse 2, by which you are being saved. Some of y'all, the interruption had taken root, and you've been hanging on to the word for a long time. And so you've been firm in your faith. Some of us, the interruption happened, and we didn't know what in the world just happened. Here's how we say it. Man, cash bar just don't feel good no more. That's how we say it. Come on, y'all. That's how we say it. That's interruption. Excuse the grammar. Excuse the drama. I used to can drink four of these. <laughs> That's an interruption. Are you with me? Come on, y'all. That's an interruption. Here's another one. Man, I'd go through a carton in just one day. Now I'm just down to one pack. That's, that's an interruption. That's an interruption. Girl, you better be glad you didn't meet me yesterday because I'd have given you a piece of my mind. That's an interruption. Come on, y'all. That's an interruption. That's an interruption. That's an interruption. And God is beginning a process because who you are right now is not who you were yesterday. Come on, don't act like you hadn't been interrupted. <laughs> Abnormally born. Because I, I tell you what, if, if a whole lot of us were still in our yesteryears, we wouldn't have been sitting next to some of the people that were sitting now. Because you'd be afraid a lightning bolt would come to the roof in church. But I thank God for the interruption. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on. I thank him. I thank him. I thank him. I thank him. And so the resurrection matters because he got up, he can interrupt my life and he can interrupt my process and he can begin a new birth in me. He can begin creating a new person. So whether you are on the beginning of your interruption or whether you've been interrupted 60 years ago, we want to pray this morning. Or, or, or maybe you hadn't quite been interrupted yet the accident just happened and you're still in the car. Nobody took you out yet. You came this morning so we can take you out. You came, you came, you came this morning because God brought you so you can see what he's doing, so he can bring clarity to his process in your life. So I want to pray. I want us all to pray. And I know the time is a little late, so be patient with us this morning. This is important. This is important. If you're here and you've heard the voice of God, Scripture says, harden not your heart, but hearken or listen to his voice. I want every person in here, if I can trouble you, just to bow your heads and search your heart this morning. In process, the anthropos of God the interruptions and the miscarriages and 
the abortions of God where he's trying to abort your process and bring you into his. And as the Spirit of God moves on this Easter Sunday morning, thank God for his grace because he woke you up and brought you here to experience the resurrection. He could have taken us out. He didn't have to do it, but he did. So Holy Spirit, should there be one here, God, that has not yet said yes to you, Holy Spirit, draw them. Let them come and say, I want to be saved. Let them come and saying, I now understand the resurrection. There's a death, there's a burial, but then there's a raising up. Let them come and say, I want to give my heart to you. And then, God, if there are those that are here that maybe have strayed away, the word was deposited, but they hadn't been all that you've called them to be, Holy Spirit, draw them, God, to come and just rededicate and begin the process of being who they would be. God, if there are those that are saying, I just want to connect with this house, I want to connect with this fellowship, Holy Spirit, draw them, God, draw them. Draw them to a place with you where they can know you afresh, God. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you for everything that you've done. I find it amazing how you work in the earth realm, God. You have a way of engaging us when we're not engaging you. So, God, move in this house, God. Touch every person that is here. Bless them afresh, God. Fill them anew with your spirit. Fill us all anew with your love, God, your grace, your mercy, because of who you are. So we thank you for you, God. We worship and we adore you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.